Because of the way the universe is created, we each of us live in two worlds at the same time. We have to live in the outer life of our own bodies and the inner life of our own souls. Hello and welcome to Living the Inner Life. I'm your host, Chris Sheridan, and I want you to join with me on a journey of discovery and inquiry into our inner lives. All the thoughts and emotions and experiences and beliefs that help shape our relationship with the outer world. Now, the inner life can be considered as subjective, and the outer world can be considered objective. Okay, subjective is more what you feel about something. It's your own personal point of view. It can alter dramatically from other people's subjective points of view, even if you're taking a look at something, the same thing, or having a similar experience, although not a same personal experience, but if you're at the same event. Four people might experience something completely different even though they were all in the same room doing the same thing at the same time, okay? Now there's the notion of objective truth, that what is the same for everybody, regardless of how you feel about it, right? There's this conflict between feelings and facts, okay? Don't let your feelings get in the way of the facts, or don't let the facts get in the way of your feelings if that's how you're feeling. But what I'm getting at is that our inner lives are more subjective. We see things and look at things in terms of ourselves. And we look at the outside world also with a subjective viewpoint. Okay, and I'm wondering, is there real objectivity? Can you really look at something outside yourself or within yourself completely objectively, just as an observer, okay, without bias, or emotion, or even your own experience getting in the way. Just see things for what they are, how they are. And I know this is hard to do. It's very hard to do. As a matter of fact, again, I don't know how much we can actually do this. I think we can lean more towards objective viewpoints if that's what we're after. But there will always be some element of subjectivity to it. Okay, so if we're looking at, say, our solar system, the Earth, the Earth going around the sun, a subjective viewpoint might be from our standpoint on Earth. It looks flat. It looks like the sun goes up and then goes down over there. It looks like the stars are turning and all this stuff is going on and that we are standing still. We're not moving. There's no sensation of movement. And this is basically Aristotle's viewpoint. Now, we can also, and we know this from advances in science, if we pull back, I mean like way back, say we're out like where the moon is, uh, and then we're looking at the earth, and we're looking at the sun, and we can see the earth turn around, and we can see it revolve around the sun during the course of a year. Okay, that's a very different point of view. It's a different standpoint from which to observe something. But it would be a completely different vision and explanation of essentially the same thing. What would a day or a year look like from outer space looking at the Earth and the Sun? Or what would that day or year look like when you're standing on the Earth 
and you're seeing the sun and everything seemingly move around you this whole time. Okay, so it's possible to be both because the way I just described that, I think we can, if we've you know had any experience with you know astronomy or the sciences, uh, that we can we can actually have both things. We can hold both opinions. It looks like the sun sets and the sun rises, and it feels like we're not moving on a stationary Earth. And we can also know from observations, from spacecraft and calculations and everything else, that there's another story. There's another narrative. There's another way of looking at the universe. So when we come to the point where we're looking at ourselves, this inner view of ourselves, I think it's almost impossible to be objective, although I think it's very real and very possible to be more objective. We can be selectively objective. We can train ourselves to look at things more objectively. Same with the outer world, too. Okay, You can see something. You see a blue car, and it's like, well, if you don't like the color blue, you might not like the car. It has nothing to do with the car or the person who's driving it or who painted it or who decided you know, that shade of blue would be the one that the car manufacturer would put out that year. Okay, you're biased. It's going to have an effect pre-existing, okay? That's where the word prejudice comes from, is pre-judging. Okay, and I know it's a bad word, or it really sounds like a bad word, and if you're judging another person, if you're judging their character before meeting them or seeing them or knowing anything about them, that's definitely a bad thing, but it's also bad if we do that with anything else that we experience. Okay, now I'm not talking about the more obvious things, like you're not going to see a hot burner on a stove and then judge it. No, you're just going to know from experience, maybe you got burned once before, and scientific knowledge and warnings on the appliance, that if it's glowing red hot, you don't touch it because it will hurt. Okay, that's not a prejudice, in a sense. That's knowledge about something. Okay, that's actually an informed viewpoint on this hot burner on the stove. You've brought in science, you've brought in the experience of others, you've brought in your own experience, and if you really want to test it out, and if you really want to conduct a scientific experience, well, you could touch the burner and find out what happens. All right, but we don't need to do that with those things. And if we're looking at things in the world with this litmus, this test of things I like, things I don't like, that which I want, that which I don't want, what feels good, what doesn't feel good. Okay, that's how most of us go around, I think, for a large part of our lives. And that's important. That's necessary. Why would you eat food that your body knows makes you sick? Okay, and why would you pick a certain color of a car if you didn't like that color? Unless, of course, it was a gift car, and then you don't worry about it or get it repainted later. So what we want to do is, in an overall sense, and let's start really with the outer world. Okay, how can we bring this selective objectivity, if that's even a phrase, how can we become, when we want to, more objective, less subjective, less biased, when we're just observing things, when we're just 
acknowledging the existence of things. Now, I think I'm just answering that question right now by saying that, by saying just observing, just acknowledging the existence. We're very quick when we see some, oh, I'll like that. Oh, I don't know if I'll like that. Or that, uh, that's not something I'd like. We can go right to judgment, right to assessment and judgment and uh, the ruling on what this thing is, what it means to us, and how we're going to react to it before we even really acknowledge what it is. Okay? And in doing so, we're missing out on a lot because we're only seeing things through that lens, through maybe a very narrow viewpoint. And if that's the case, we're missing other things from it. Okay? Some things, especially things that don't feel right or don't look right, I'm not saying you're going to go to the edge of a cliff and say, wow, this doesn't feel right, but hey, I'm going to be objective and see what happens. Not talking about that, okay? But when it's something you don't know enough about, or if you want to know more about something, try to reduce that the way we look at things, our inner lens, okay, that affects and shapes how we see, and sometimes even what we see. I'm talking about these blinders. We may not see things if we have a tunneled vision on looking at things in the outside world or ourselves. Okay? We could see something and say, well, okay, that's objectively bad. And maybe it is. You know, maybe it's a, a car accident or something, and the two people are arguing and exchanging insurance. And, you know, hopefully somebody's glad that nobody got hurt. We're just talking a fender bender here. You can say, wow, this what a classic, colossal pain. This is not fun. This is not good. Um, but maybe there's something else. Maybe there's something else to it. Okay. Maybe the airbags work properly. And that's a good thing. You can take that into this picture too. Yes, the accident sucked, but everybody's okay. The safety equipment worked. People were wearing their seatbelts. Uh, maybe nobody was at fault. There was some other thing going on. And they're trying to work it out amongst themselves. Okay, there could be good things, even in bad things. That's silver lining, you know, saying uh, every cloud has a silver lining. Okay, but it won't, or we won't recognize that silver lining if we're just focused on the dark storm cloud. Okay, now my example of a fender bender may not be a very good one. I hopefully I'll come up with a better one. But as we go along, we can see that even seemingly negative things can have other aspects to them that we're not aware of. And we can't see if we're just looking through a certain lens. Okay, so this is a way to expand like a scientist. Okay, we're going to not just use a microscope. Maybe we'll use a decibel meter to see how loud something is or a spectrograph and get its you know, light content analyzed. Maybe we can look at something through many different lenses and get a bigger picture, get a broader notion of what something is. Even if it has that negative part to it, or uncomfortable, or um, somehow undesirable part, there may still be something in it, okay? 
in the darkness of the earth is where you find the gold. You know, sometimes it's the dark places that have the gift. Sometimes it's the broken pieces that allow the light to shine through. Okay, so whether it's a person or a situation or an event or really anything going on around us, if we're too quick to judge, no matter how experienced we are, and this is where sometimes experience and expertise can get in the way. It can actually work against you if you know it all about something and then something new comes across your table and you assess it with that know-it-all knowledge. You may miss something, okay, because we never really know it all. Now, it's good to build from experience. That's how pilots, that's how doctors, that's how lawyers, that's how parents get better at what we do by doing it, by trial and error and failing and falling and figuring out what went wrong and trying a better way the next time. Okay, that's a very important part of the process. And you don't want to have to relearn something that you took a lot of time and trouble to learn in the first place. You want to apply that knowledge to the next thing, but you always have to leave an open door, leave a window cracked where you can allow something to show itself, to show another part of itself, for you to see something hidden in this thing that you could normally dismiss or assess as being a certain way. And oh yeah, that's, you know, that's just a basketball or whatever. Maybe there's more to it, okay? Maybe you don't like basketball. Maybe you don't like watching basketball games, but some people do, and maybe it's something, you know, a parent can do with their kid, or the kids can do with each other, and get them out of your hair for a couple hours. You know, you don't have to like it to like something about it. Same thing with people, and it gets a lot harder with people. We can be so quick to judge. We can say that, well, you know, all dogs are like the dog that bit me, we do that with people. If somebody reminds you of somebody else or they're involved with a political party or uh, they like a certain kind of music or wear their hair a certain way or do this or do that or have this kind of job or that kind of a job, we can very easily and very quickly put a very narrow viewpoint onto something and call it that the way we see it. Okay, And those things may be true. There may be truth to that. But there's usually something more. Okay, and There's always something more we can discover. You know, even some despicable people in our lives can have redeeming qualities. And they can also have the chance of redemption. They have to self-redeem themselves, I guess. And that's their uh, responsibility for their own salvation. But if you just see as somebody as a hopeless cause, or this person is despicable, well, then that's kind of how they're going to be to you. And if you treat them that way, then they may continue to be that way towards other people. Okay, you got to see the silver lining. You got to look for that part, maybe hidden, and there may be ninety-nine bad things. <laughs> okay, dislikable qualities, if you want to even call them qualities, to find that one thing. And if there is that one thing, well, that can be two, or that one can grow and become a larger part of this person's life. Okay? 
So let's try not to judge or assess things in the outside world, other people, experiences that we have, events we go to. And don't write them off as being just what you think they're going to be based on what you think you know. Okay? Now, if you've done something a bunch of times, and here it is again, yes, you have to learn from your experience. Then you know to avoid certain people or get engaged in certain conversations or debates. Okay, if you know that, then do that. But I'm talking about judging things, like taking your notion, your beliefs, putting them on somebody else and saying, well, that's how they are. Okay, we're missing larger ideas. We're missing the bigger picture if we do that, if you paint somebody in a box or an experience or a anything that can go on in our lives. Because a lot of times we don't know. You could get fired from a job and say, well, objectively, this is bad. You know, I, I need needed this job. Uh, now the company's folding. They're laying people off. What am I going to do? I'm a little bit older. How, do I have to get retraining? Uh, you know, rents due. Uh, it can bring up a host of issues. Uh, even your pride, even your sense of self, if you really love this job and now you're not going to be doing that thing anymore and going to that office, well, who are you? Okay. So this can be very difficult. It can be a very difficult thing to face. And it can be very easy to say, wow, this sucks. My life sucks right now. I lost my job. I don't know what I'm going to do. Okay. Now it can still suck and you can additionally have this window open to a greater experience. It may be the best thing eventually <laughs> on down the road, yeah, especially if something better happens in between. It might be just the right thing you didn't know you needed right now. That interaction with that person you don't like may be the thing that you needed right now. You don't see it now. Okay, and that's another thing about this perspective, this tunnel vision or this lens, you know, painting somebody or something in a box. There's also the box of time, okay? There's the here and now where we need to open things up to see more, but there's also the long view, okay? How is this going to play out down the road? And the answer is we don't know, okay? It could be the worst thing ever, or it may not be so bad. After time has passed or you've been able to integrate and accept this thing, okay? So when we accept another person that we don't like, or if we accept a situation that we don't like, it doesn't mean we have to like it <laughs> in that sense, or that acceptance doesn't necessarily mean long-term wholesale approval. You can accept things as they are right here, right now. And it's from that standpoint that you can actually make change, especially if it's something you don't like. But from non-acceptance, if you're not accepting and saying, oh, that, that, this can't be, or oh, this is terrible, or well, screw that person, they don't, they don't exist in my life. You're not being truthful to reality, okay? So you have to accept whatever it is and Look at it even deeper. Okay, what is this? What is this telling me? Why do I keep having this interaction with this person? 
It never works out well for me. Why does this keep coming up? You may find something because if something persists, it means there's something in it for you. Okay. So if we can take this more objective viewpoint, more like a scientist where we're just looking at the facts, we might be able to catch more of the vision of what this thing is and how it can work in our lives. And same with our inner lives. If we look at ourselves from a very judgmental, uh, no matter how experienced we are, a very prejudiced kind of way, very critical, okay, we're not going to help our cause. We're not going to help ourselves out. Even if there's this unlikable part of yourself or this unconscionable thing that you did, accept it, own it, okay, bring it in and say, yes, this is what I did. Wow. Now here's a chance to move on. Okay. It's like sports. If your team loses, you don't just go around saying, wow, I'm a loser. Our team sucks. And that's just it. Okay. That game sucked and you did lose. And maybe you didn't play very well. It's an opportunity to analyze what you did and find, oh, here are the weak points. This is what went wrong. This is how we can shore it up and do better next time. Okay. Do that with yourself. Okay, don't be so quick to judge yourself. And unfortunately, we do this very unconsciously. We're not really even aware of it. It happens at the speed of thought. But if by talking about this and listening to what I'm saying, and I'm hearing myself too, a lot of times I talk about some of the things that I need to work on in my life, because we're all a process, we're all a work in progress. And if I can find something in the negative thing or the undesirable quality and accept it and move from that standpoint, move from that level of acceptance, then you can make change. Then you can improve. Then you can actually see sometimes within it, you know, is the solution to the problem. Sometimes the problem itself contains the solution. But if you just judge the problem or the problem person or that problem aspect of yourself as being undesirable and I don't want it and get it away from me and I don't want to talk about it anymore, you're not going to find the solution in the problem. All right? And that can come through a more objective, more clear way of looking at something, you know, like a pond or a lake. You know, if you're disrupting everything in the water and you're splashing and you're digging and you're judging and you're condemning, you're not going to really see much. But if you just let it settle, okay, you don't have to approve. I'm not talking about that kind of acceptance. I'm just saying accept what is. This is. And if you give it enough time and give yourself enough space, you might be able to see more. The dust can settle, the sediment can go to the bottom, and you can see more clearly what it is you need to see. And as you do, then you'll know what to do and turn this negative thing or this undesirable thing, transform it into the thing, into the good thing, into the thing that you want. All right? So try to be a little more objective. Even when you are scrolling through, say, my podcast <laughs> on iTunes, and you think, well, geez, there's, you know, look at that title. I don't want to hear about that. Well, maybe you do. 
Okay, you can't judge a book by its cover, nor a podcast by its title, although you're supposed to put something out there that's eye-catching and enticing enough. You don't know, okay? It might be a movie that's about baseball. and Well, I don't like baseball. Well, maybe the movie's not really about baseball. Maybe it's about people and human relations and something else that is more mystical or more interesting that you wouldn't have noticed on the cover. Okay? Give things a chance. And above all, most of all, give yourself a chance. Don't judge yourself harshly or too critically. Be honest. And like a parent, if you know you're doing something wrong, be encouraging to improve that part of yourself. Okay? Don't deny it. Accept it. And learn from it. Grow through it. And grow into the person that you already are, but maybe have just lost touch with. Bring it back in, okay? And that's living the inner life. And thank you for listening, whether or not you like the title of this particular episode. I hope you come back to the next one, and we'll see you here on Living the Inner Life.